talking about the problem of evil corona edition and because of the isolation and all that kind of stuff that we're having to do dave is not with me in the studio but he is here over the internet just like we all were so how you doing dave man i'm doing good i'm glad to be here um i'm really thankful for the opportunity to get to meet with you and to use this medium um hopefully for pastoral good hopefully for encouragement, um, hopefully to remind people again that God is in control, that uh, not only is he in control, he has a plan and he has a purpose for all things that happen in his creation, and uh, we should be reminded of that. So that's my hope, 100%, and I'm just glad to be here, and I'm grateful again for God's goodness and grace and mercy to allow me to do that. So thank you, Adam, for your work. I'm so glad to get to be uh, a part of uh, this ministry and what you have worked so hard for us to be able to do. And, and it means a lot to me. Well, so. I'm just, yeah, I'm glad that uh, we're able to do this. And we really, you know, since we were kind of on that uh, three uh, shows or two shows and then kind of take a week off, you know, we were out of shows and I was like, what are we going to do? I can't get you audio via this and stuff like that. But you know what? God provided us a good time and it pro- provides all his people with opportunities daily to preach the gospel, right? And right. so no less is a world pandemic a time and an opportunity that we can preach the gospel that, that tells you about hope and that uh, there's more um, than just what you observe and uh, there, there's more to be had um, and, and it's great and we got the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, that gospel is that he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. And that's something that I'm teaching my kids um, as a church at Redeemer that uh, we've been going through with our kids, that we've been going through with, with each other in community group. Do we know the gospel? Because this is where it's applied. Um, you know, our reactions to this show, if we actually If it's just head knowledge that we know the gospel or whatever it is, the gospel and what we know is going to come out during these times. So um, if you want to, Dave, get us started, I've got to take care of a little business real quick. Yeah. So the one thing that I want to just begin with that I think is really important for us to uh, follow this whole situation is that uh, it's great that we have the medium of Facebook to gather. It's great that we have the medium of YouTube to sit down. But as a church and as a people, we should be reminded uh, as we spend this time away of how important it is to actually gather as a group of believers. Uh, In my mind, I'm so thankful again for this opportunity to have preached on Facebook Live. I do it every week anyways, but to be able to have something for my church to, to listen to um, as we spend this time away, I think it should be uh, an incredible comfort for us to be reminded that God has a purpose for this. Mm-hmm. And so individuals should be thinking about, number one, uh, their love for the bride of Christ and the gathered people. Um, God is 
giving us a opportunity to reflect on that more, how powerful it is to be in the community of believers. When we don't have something like this, man, we should be longing for God to, to get us with other believers. And so my hope is that as we as Christians, uh, everybody that I am really in touch with has suspended services, right, during this time. Man, my hope is that one of the number one things that people will pray for is, God, give me a greater love for your bride since I can't gather with them. So what we do, uh, I think my dad told me this. He said, YouTube and Facebook are, are really poor places to go to church. Yeah. So be reminded of that. Be uh, one who says, man, I can't wait. And in my mind, like, I have this, like, this hope that, when this thing ends, that we'll have some really glorious celebration where we will be singing louder and praising the Lord harder and so much more grateful for what it means to get together. And so uh, my prayer each day uh, from last week, when we really considered here at First Baptist suspending services, my hope has been, will God then use this to give us a greater love for our church? And then the second thing that I want to encourage people to do uh, as you gather with your family, because you're going to have to do it next week at least, yeah. and probably the week after that, and maybe even the week after that, don't use uh, this opportunity just to sit in your pajamas and look at a TV screen. Use this as an opportunity, husbands, spiritual leaders, to, to lead your family, right? Gather your family and have family worship. What an amazing time. And again, here's another key piece. For many of you in churches who don't do community groups or small groups, look at the opportunity. Here you are in your home, you're having worship services. What an amazing opportunity to think, hey, beyond this, I could open my home for small group Bible study. What an amazing opportunity to, to grow as a body of believers. And so those are just uh, three big pieces to me that, that I think about in this situation. And so, um, no, um, online church is not church. Um, it is something that we're having to do for a time. I don't think it's sinful. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's, it is the best way to love your neighbor and Christians should be thinking about it in that way. Uh, I see some people and I will denounce those folks who say, Oh, we don't care. We're getting together no matter what. Well, gosh, darn it. I think you've really failed to protect the sheep in your church. I think that you've really failed to have a, uh, a love for those people in your church that are susceptible to this and that are going to show up no matter what. Or the individuals who interact because they have to with individuals who have low immune systems. So thank you, every pastor, who number one, is wanting to love their neighbor, and number two, wanting to protect their sheep by suspending services. I commend you. I encourage you. Continue to do that. That's a good thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, know, Adam, that that was not exactly where we began, wanted to go when we talked fine. about God's providence. But uh, to me, I just see God's providence all over in this. Um, and, and I can't look at it any other way. Um, yeah, and I mean, we, that, we have to, we, we have to, to go in what is, what does scripture gives us? Um, it gives yeah, us common it, grace. And so the thing is doing church online, it is not right. And it, and it shouldn't be felt that it's right. Right. But there is grace because God has also told us, told us to be subjected to our leaders and our, in our government. And so we need to show a humble, um, a humble attitude and honoring the government officials. Um, but no, it is not right that we don't get to come together and meet. It's oh, covered under right. grace though. It's covered under grace. We are in grace. It's not by the law if you're in Christ. Right. And so I think God is going to give us grace here to where we can uh, have time to understand because uh, God has also told us to think slowly before we speak, before we do. 
Um, so, you know, what I'd utilize in this time is what is God um, revealing to you that you've missed out on because you have stuck to tradition so much. Now your traditions are getting challenged and no, it is not right to not meet. Um, but what are those things like, have you noticed that you've neglected your family and family worship? Have you, have you neglected uh, your marriage? Have you neglected this? And are, are you realizing now that you're together in community with your family uh, for the most part, if you are told to stay home, um, are you like, are you looking around? Are you, you know, so it's not just trying to force the issue of family worship, but are you feeling the weight of things? Um, you know, I know there's been jokes like, you know, two days without sports and I found out my wife's favorite color is yellow. Who the heck likes yellow? You know, just when we're making jokes. Um, but even in those jokes, there's some truth value um, to understand in those things. So, you know, are, ask those questions. Um, have I been around my kids enough? Have I been around my wife enough? Um, knowing at the same time, yes, it is not right that we're not meeting together. Um, and think about those questions. What are we going to do as this thing keeps on going and we're not able to meet and say two months goes down the road? When do uh. we draw the line and we have to say, we will take safety measures to make sure that our older people are, uh, you know, the immune deficient people. Like we're going to make sure they stay away and they get it, but we still need to meet whoever we can, you know, so there's got to be a line drawn, you know, and this is a time to read the Christian manifesto from Francis Schaeffer to get you in the right worldview and uh, kind of listen to presuppositionalist folks because they'll, you know, give you um, that sort of information on how to view situations. And this is what sort of, we wanted to do tonight with this, but yeah, go ahead, Dave. You look like you. Had no, something. brother. I, I, there's a few things that I want to hit too, because I guess uh, one thing I struggle with at times is making sure that I communicate and convey my pastoral heart. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get like a little bit robust, and I really push things hard. Uh, if anything, I want to remind anybody who's a pastor to not be discouraged because yeah. God is in control. You know, last week I, I spent a lot of time, I don't want to say that I was anxious, but I couldn't stop thinking about um, how this is going to impact my church, how this is going to impact those that I worship with. And um, if you're a pastor and you listen to the podcast, if you're in ministry in any way and you listen to the pro the podcast, the big thing that has been an incredible comfort to me is just reminding myself that God is in control. Uh in fact, you know, that's why we wanted to focus on God's providence. God has a purpose for this. And so as we jump into that, I'm going to go to my uh, dear Presbyterian friends. God bless them. Yes. I think it's going to write in so many things. So my dear uh, Presby friends in the Westminster Shorter Catechism define God's providence like this. They say God works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all creatures and all their actions. God's works of providence are his most high, holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing of all his creatures and all his actions. The reason that I can be at peace in this is knowing that God is uh, sovereign over his creation. This situation is not a surprise uh, for him. And God's love for his bride hasn't changed. God's love for his bride, the church, hasn't changed. He loves it even more. And so as Christians, we need to be asking about this situation. What is God doing? So I, I guess a good thing to also look at is 
um, a Baptist guy now, and uh, that is Wayne Grudem. He says this about God's providence. God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them cooperates with creature created things in every action directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do and directs them to fulfill his purpose so yeah. what i am taking a major major solace in is that god is using this situation to achieve his purpose and again uh, it reminds me over and over again one of my favorite verses romans 8:28 and we know all things and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for Amen. those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Um, I don't want to cut you off, Adam. I know, I, I'm just, I, it's a little bit different. We're not in the studio. We can't like look, make that nonverbal. All right, man, it's you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Can, you, can you actually see me right now? Yeah, I can, brother. Okay, sweet. Yes, just I making can. sure we can. We we are looking at each other. Um, I, I, just making sure because sometimes whenever you pull up something on an iPad, and you're on FaceTime, it gets rid of all the video on their side or whatever. So we're cool anyway, dude. It's fine. You were you were spitting. I've seen a lot of uh, new memes talking about that. That's spitting. So you were spitting. <laughs> I was saying amen. It's all good, you know, and that's just the thing. I rested in the same thing. Um, it's whenever I came to the uh, biblical and what I would say um, when I say biblical um, to make it more specific, the reformed understanding of God and his providence, something that I did not have. Um, an understanding of. I did not get it preached to me um, because I got more about, you know, who am I sort of stuff preached um, whenever I was growing up. And so whenever I came to the understanding of being discipled on who is God, um, this is what I can find solace in, is that his divine providence. Um, and so I love it. Um, going back to the 1689, this would be Dave and I's position. Um, on this, you know, whenever you look at that, it says God, the good creator of all things, um, in his infinite power and wisdom doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created according unto his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will for the praise of his glory um, of his, his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. So when it comes to the problem of evil, when it comes to these things, you know, we've done, we've dealt with this before talking about um, Epicurus and just those standard uh, problem of evil things um, that you're going to come across whenever you talk to people about this pandemic. It's just that usual, is God um, all loving? Is he all powerful? Um, and is he all knowing? Um, you can't have all three and we can, it's just, do we get to do? Do we get to say where God isn't omniscient, or or do we just have to believe? Is it the presupposition of all predication to deal with how God has revealed Himself, and then even though we're finite, we still um, trust God because it makes everything intelligible um, outside of that. Yeah, and so one thing that I think is really good to understand God's providence over this, um, and also kind of. Uh, coincide that idea with the problem of evil. Because if you are a Christian uh, and listening to the podcast, you probably are asking, like, if God is so good, why isn't he stopping this? I've seen some atheists post that. Like, if God's so good, he has the ability to stop this. Why is he not doing that? 
Well, one issue that the Christian can objectively say is we can say objectively that this is an evil thing. Um, historically, Christians have understand, understood evil in two specific categories, that of natural evil and that of moral evil. And so natural evil is things like famine, is things like pandemic, is things like earthquakes, tornadoes, um, tsunamis, those things that are a result of Adam's fall that happen in the natural world. Um, it's not that God allows them. I don't like that language. God causes those things to happen. God's providence has brought about these things, right? Yeah. It is very clear in Scripture that God uses evil for positive things. Um, God uses evil to test his servants. God uses evil to discipline people. God uses evil to preserve other people's lives. Think of Genesis 50, 20 and Joseph. I mean, God uses evil again to teach people patience. James 1 uh, verses 3 to 4. Um, God uses evil to redirect our attention and focus on things that are important. That's Psalms 37. And so God in his wise providence saw fit from the foundations of the world mm -hmm. to bring this about. And so Christians shouldn't be asking, why are you doing this, God? It should be, God, what are you doing? And how can I submit to your plan and recognize that somehow you're using this to get my attention, to discipline, uh, to correct, but then to cause me to focus on those things that are most important. So starting with God's providence is so important. Um, when we talk about God's providence, we need to recognize that God has providence over uh, all the world. Um, he has providence over large nations. He has providence over all his creation. Um, not only the natural world, he has providence over human history. Um, mm -hmm. He has providence, again, over individual human life. All those elements are so important in us even understanding this situation. Yeah. And so that's why we're starting with God's providence. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's the major thing. This is the starting point, right? Whenever we're talking about, say, the problem of evil right now, the uh, problem of coronavirus, um, the, the problem of really any evil. This is just the hot topic issue that, you know, we're dealing with and speaking into. Um, but the fact is, and let's go to part two, or point two of uh, chapter five of the 1689 says, although in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly so that there is not anything befalls any by chance. That is the big question. That's the big thing that you need to ask yourself is every time um, that you make an argument or every time that you think about things or in discussion about these kind of things, Understand, are you adopting a chance worldview? Are you adopting a providential, a personal, cosmic personalism or cosmic impersonalism worldview um, to get to your desired discussion? Um, as a Christian, we have to believe in cosmic personalism. Um, That's right. In the Calvinist-Arminian debate, the first cause is still there that we both have to deal with, even though maybe one side might not want to talk about it. But God still created the universe and everything in it and uh, allows it to go on, right? So no matter what, 
you know, and this is something that even an atheist I've talked to um, pointed out. Well, God made the world, so he started it. And I'm like, amen, brother, you're preaching. That's right. I wish other Christians understood <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, so, I'm so, glad you said that. <laughs> so again, in common grace, the person recognizes it. And so are we going to be embarrassed of the God who has revealed himself? Or are we, and try to clean them up a little bit and then get these problems of why we have these arguments in the first place? Or are we going to embrace the God as he has revealed himself and deal with the issues that we read in scripture um, and deal with the history that we are in right now and how we view um, history after um, the last apostle penned the last letter, the last book to now? Are we going to be embarrassed or are we going to embrace is the question to ask right now. What we want to recognize and what I think is so important, at least for me, right? Like I, so today, um, I know Adam, you are probably impacted in a major way by what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like more people are coming in and get, or less people are coming in and getting their hair cut. Yep. People are afraid to do it. They're going to cut your hours, right? Right. My wife lost um, jobs today. Right. Like she lost three big jobs today, mm-hmm. four, four jobs, three big jobs, but four jobs today. Um, so I'm having a very serious encounter with this. Now, while I have not known anyone who has gotten sick from this and I have not known anyone who has died and man, I hope that that continues um, my prayer is that it will, but if it doesn't, if I don't prepare my heart right now for the recognition that God is going to accomplish his good and wise purpose, then when I'm hit to the core by something, I'll be completely ill-prepared. Um, that's why, you know, last week I just meditated over Romans eight twenty-eight because I had to keep reminding myself, right? that God is in control, that God, uh, I love God. Um, again, when I go back to that verse, I'm reminded that those who love God, well, wait a second, I don't love God of my own volition. In fact, uh, Scripture tells me that he loved me before I loved him. Uh, scripture tells me in Ephesians chapter 1 that he chose me. Uh, it says that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. Mm. It tells me that when I was dead in my trespasses and sin, following the course of the world, that God loved me, not as a result of my own works, so that I couldn't boast. I love God not because of, of my own volition, but because God loved me first. When I look at this situation— when I think about God's purpose being achieved, I have to ask myself, do I recognize the importance of my salvation? And if I do, if I recognize that God loved a terrible person like me, then I can say for certain that that God who loved me and chose me in him before the foundations of the world, I can trust his plan. I might not understand it, but I can trust it. Yeah. Again, I go to that Proverbs sixteen twenty two. Um, the lot is cast in the lap, but the Lord knows its outcome, right? Uh, God isn't randomly throwing these things together. Any difficulty that I face, any tragedy that I face, I have to sit back and say, what's the ultimate purpose? God's going to glorify himself. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I have the t-shirt, right? But do I have the heart position? And I want to speak again. 
from a pastoral heart, we have to know that all things work together for the good of those who are called. And that's an effectual calling, by the way. If you look at Romans chapter 8, he's like laying out very systematically, because right after that, he's going to go through the golden chain of redemption. Uh, And that word called there, right, is is the effectual call, right? Uh, Those who have been saved, God has a purpose, not only for me personally, but for everything that happens in this world. And God's purpose is never going to fail. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, God says, as I have planned, so it shall be. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. And then in verse 27, he says, for the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out and who will turn it back? I have to remind myself that God's ultimate purpose is to bring himself glory and his glory is going to bring about my ultimate good. I take an amazing amount of comfort knowing that God, he knows the future. I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've said it in sermons. God knows the history of my future. Yeah. Right. God knows the past of my future. Um, And so I have to recognize that his plan is ultimately going to be good. You could look back at the plague. You'd say, gosh, what was God doing in the uh, 16th century and the 17th century with this with this terrible plague that killed uh, hundreds of thousands? God was using his church to minister to a hurting world as a result of that plague. Right. Uh, God's people were still going out and demonstrating that our hope isn't in this life, that our our only hope in life and death is that we're not our own, but belong to God. Boom, brought in another catechism, by the way. Um, Those things are so true. And so we recognize that the sovereign creator is going to accomplish what he set out to do. The God who chose us in him before the foundations of the world, he's still in control. Uh, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the beginning from the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. God's will is going to be accomplished. I don't have to worry because I know my God knows what's going to happen and what's going to happen is ultimately going to be for his glory and for his good. Uh, For me, there is no problem of evil because I can recognize what it says in Genesis 50, 20, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Yeah. And that's the, that's the answer that we can give anyone in this. Why coronavirus if your God is so good? And it's one of those things it's, well, for one, um, and it's, it's one of those things. I think I was talking to somebody that knows the whole Leighton Flowers, James White thing, you know, but it's in that prodigal son story. He leaves, he goes and uh, just gets rid of everything, having fun. Um, And then, you know, Leighton Flowers always like, but then he humbled himself and he came back home. But we forget in that story, there was calamity in the land. That's right. So he was a sinful, sinful, horrible, depraved kid. That's right. And it seemed like it wasn't the uh, loss of money. It wasn't the you know, the loss of not having anywhere to be. It was the calamity in the land that after that happened, he thought, I need to go back home. So he didn't humble himself. He was humbled 
And in that story, if we're going to take Toda Scriptura and how God has announced how he does things, because the revealed things are ours. The secret things are, are for God, but the revealed things are ours. And so he has revealed how he does these things. So even in a hypothetical story, such as the prodigal son, we can get the beautiful truth value that Jesus and his awesome teaching ability that he had um, got there, but there was calamity in the land. So, you know, like the one thing that I really want to push in this is that we do not have a random chance again, worldview to, to interpret. Now we can do empiricism because the God of common grace in, uh, in Genesis six that announces that hot, cold, you know, summer, winter will always be until the end of the world. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the promise that we have that we can do science. We know the uniformity of nature. We know some limits. We know um, that things got off in the flood times. Um, things have not. So we're not uniformitarian. Unfortunately, scientists um, that are not coming from a Christian worldview where it starts with the triune God and his revelation, um, they're going to have to be uniformitarian and they're going to have to put their faith in something they cannot prove. So it becomes an assumption in the scientific method, not understood, not knowledge, not observed. Um, but they're going to go with it at least in time now because it works. Why? Well, I can give you the account for that because God has made in an orderly universe. He has revealed certain things that we can know for certain, and we can we can be on top of science. So I'm not we're not denying science here, um, but we have to understand everything has a theological implication, and we know that with Israel, um, God told them they had bless, covenantal blessings and covenantal cursings, and the covenantal cursings had to deal with biology. And that he would send plagues, and that well, he yeah, would do and, these things. And, and here's the thing that I, I also, Adam, I think is so important for me when I when I come to my family, you know. And, and I'll be honest, my family isn't like sitting around scared, right? Um, yeah. And if, but there are people who are really scared, and, and I recognize that. Gosh, when you hear about uh, hundreds of thousands of people dying worldwide. Um, tens of thousands of people in the United States who are infected with this sickness that we don't know really uh, what to do about it, except stay inside and hope that if we stay inside long enough, we'll stay far enough away from each other that no one else gets sick. God's providence doesn't just extend to the greater natural world. Not only is it effective, it's also personal. Mm -hmm. Um, God's divine control extends to, to the smallest details in our life. I mean, Jesus is so clear, right? Um, God makes the sun rise and he sends the rain, Matthew 5, 45. God feeds the birds, Matthew 6, 26 to 27. God clothes the lilies, Matthew 6, 28 to 30. God accounts for the falling of a sparrow and the number of hairs on a person's head. God is intimately involved as it says in Colossians 1.17, that all things hold together because of Christ Jesus. We don't have a, a stoic, uninvolved God. We have a God who is intimately involved with his creation, holding it together. Uh, Hebrews 1.3, he is upholding the universe. This is Christ Jesus upholding the universe by his word of power. Guys, anyone who's listening, is that the God that you're calling on in this? Is that the God you're saying? You know the beginning from the end. My ultimate purpose is to glorify you. As Job said, 
Um, whether you give or whether you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he didn't just say that one day when everything was going great, by the way. He said that after his kids died and he lost all of his stuff. And he was sitting on ashes and scraping his sores off with broken clay pots, yeah. right? Um, that is the God that you now have an opportunity because you can't go to work to spend time in his word, to spend more time in prayer, to spend time leading your family spiritually. Uh, the question shouldn't be, oh man, how am I going to get through this? It should be, God, let me trust you through this. And, and I don't say that, man, I hope my tone is right. And I hope my heart is right. That's the only place I can get my strength from. Um, as the psalmist says, from whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord God. Um, I hope that that is what you're saying on your lips. I hope you aren't just scrolling through Facebook and social media and clicking on memes and saying, oh, ha, 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 that's so funny about toilet paper. Um, no, my hope is that you're saying, God, forgive me. When bad things happen, when natural evil occurs, it should cause us to be reminded of God's sovereign control, God's ability to judge his people mm. with natural event, with natural evils. And it should also remind us of our moral evils. Um, I do think that it's important too, and I don't want to get too theological with this. Uh, I know that sometimes uh, it is, it, this is obviously a theology apologetics podcast, but sometimes I know uh, Adam and I, uh, can can speak in some elevated language, and it's not because we're trying to be disrespectful to anyone or to act like we're uh, so smart. But there is a really vast distinction um, in Reformed traditions, anyways, of God's prescriptive and God's descriptive will. Yeah, um, and it's important that we understand that God is always going to accomplish um, what He ordains to happen. Right, that's His uh, prescriptive will. Right, um, but the things that he ordains, his descriptive will, is not always followed. And that, of course, is an important element to, to be certain that we understand. But I would also even say, not only does God ordain and have providence over natural, moral, natural evils, um, he has providence over individual moral evils. And it's important that we uh, understand God's providence and salvation, yeah. God's providence in saving a people that he chose in him before the foundation of the world, uh, Ephesians 1.11. And uh, those things should, again, to me, I keep saying, God, thank you for my salvation uh, in the midst of this, because my hope isn't in what's in my bank account or in my health or in the fact that I have a great wife and great kids, my hopes in Christ Jesus. I love those things. Those are amazing, uh, amazing pictures of God's awesome grace. But my hope isn't in those things. My hope is in my salvation in Christ Jesus and my love for him. Sorry if I like monopolize that a oh, little no, bit. No, no. I apologize. You're, you're good. But yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, being theological, you know, we're going to be like, you know, and it's always something that Dave and I would say, well, thank you for recognizing that we're preaching the whole time during a debate, <laughs> you know? Um, but the fact is, yeah, it's it's the fact of the matter. It is theological. And just to take you to 1 Peter 3.15, um, you know, you can't presuppose and use your autonomous reasoning whenever you walk into uh, the apologetics um, section of the bookstore. 
um, or what you see online as labeled apologetics, you need to ask the question, is this biblical? Um, is this definition that I'm making in my finitude, does it match up with the infinite, uh, you know, omniscient God, how he's revealed apologetics should be? And so why are we theological? Well, this is what, you know, whenever we're going into this thing, whenever you're making, hopefully, those conversations, uh, preaching the gospel there and being for somebody who's going to ask questions, um, First Peter 3.15, always be prepared uh, to to make a defense for the hope that lies within you. Um, is the hope that lies within you going to be a scientific fact about, say, the irreducible complexity of the eye or, you know, how this thing gets uh, scientifically passed down or whatever? Or is it the theology? Is it the gospel that is the hope that is within you? Um, so what are you going to give them? What's the defense you are going to use? Um, that's where we come in and go, you know, with this whole coronavirus again, basically, if you looked at any of the uh, models that was going around, um, you know, basically, basically somebody's just trying to tell you how this works out going like, I hope you understand it. And you got one dot and it, you know, it's contaminated and it hits a uh, two dots and then it hits, you know, four dots and eight dots and you know, and just, it goes around and it basically, you just got a bunch of uh, balls that are flying around con contaminated and, and going away. Right. But you know, the thing is, is people are going to utilize that, but they're not going to really think about the worldview from which that, what that looks like. And that, what that looks like from a materialistic worldview to me is we're just particles in motion, bouncing around, infecting one another. Now you can look at that and go, guess what? Who cares in a materialistic universe if particles bang into each other and exchange electrons. That's all we are is just, you know, a collection of molecules just bouncing around. So why, why do we have to go to these measures to save life? Why do we have to do these things? So, you know, there, you've got to question their worldview. If they have not gotten it from the triune revealed God, they're going to be wrong somewhere. Now in common grace, they'll be right somewhere. And you can applaud them for that and be like, see, you do know. You do know that God exists. And this is where you want to utilize that God and his revelation to prop yourself up. But now you're sitting in his lap and slapping him in the face whenever you turn around and go over here um, to this other side um, because you don't like that part because that's definitely authoritative there and you have to submit yourself to it. But, you know, so whenever we're talking about this and, and, and the way that it's, you know, transmitted, say it comes from bats and then, in, you know, in a, it randomly was the bat population where it randomly came out of um, and randomly came to uh, becoming a virus that um, could be could infect humans from an animal population and then it randomly as people get around each other they randomly do this um, we can't take that world view and uh, so we can look at it empirically and we can do science but understanding our finitude in this and so we got to make sure that we're not making arguments um, from ignorance. Um, we're not acting out of ignorance and going into hysteria mode, um, especially with the gospel. Um, we have hope and all that kind of stuff. So again, whenever you're doing a, an apologetical sort of conversation, just realize your worldview, realize their worldview, realize what is the hope that lies within you and what you need to get that person. So we don't need to be attacking each other and shaming each other and pointing fingers at each other. That's what the world wants to do. And the world needs to see someone else standing out going, let's stop. You just stop, you know, so don't be like Adam and Eve. Don't 
be like Eve whenever, or don't be like Adam when it's like, with the woman that you gave me, God, which, you know, yeah, it looks like he's blaming the woman, but actually in that instance, he's blaming God. It's the woman that you gave me. Goes down to Eve and he's like, no, no, it was the, it was the serpent's fault, you know? And so we don't need to be pointing fingers and shaming each other and calling each other's sin out. We need to all recognize what the heck did we do? How did we disgrace God and his creation that he meant to be perfect and beautiful and wonderful? So, so yeah. yeah. So a few things. And I, I want to encourage my dear friends who listen to the podcast. And um, even if you're not my dear friend and you listen to the podcast, and maybe you listen to it to make fun of me. Um, good work. I'm easy to attack. Uh, uh, easy to go after. I would say, first of all, as we look at this situation from the individual who sits in the pew, I would direct anyone to number one, first recognize that God has sovereign control over this. That should mean that you should be praying, God, help us to find a cure. Lord, um, direct your people to be your hands and feet in this situation. Um, we can't go out, knock on doors, and tell people about Jesus in the middle of this. right? We're confined to our homes, and those who are fortunate enough to still be able to go to work continue to do that. Uh, for me as a pastor, you know, uh, this has changed the way that I'm doing pastoral ministry, right? Like, so for however long this is lasting, right, I'm now doing a sermon on Sunday morning in a classroom because I don't want to confuse people into thinking Dave's preaching. Oh, this is church. In fact, I, I was very serious in distinguishing. I'm not going to preach in my sanctuary because this ain't church, right? We're not gathering together in church. So I've moved into a classroom to preach. Man, that's, that's nice. But Christians should be saying, okay, God, um, I appeal to you help the situation, change the situation. But right, rightly, we should be saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for not trusting you enough and teach me through this situation. Use me to bring glory to you through proclaiming the truth to others. And now more than ever, we're vigilantly having to look for a, a non-traditional way to do that. See, I think that if the church is wise, we can say, okay, God, you obviously are correcting us. We're not thinking about how important it is to be together. Like we've forgotten how incredible it is to, to be the gathered church. Forgive us for taking that for granted, right? Like that's something that I'm praying. God, forgive me for taking for, for granted that, you know, because like this Sunday, I preached to a room of, of, of three people, right? Uh, now, I have preached in a church where there were three people that were in the church, right? And I've preached in some nursing homes, and that's been the case. But, like, man, I've taken for granted how incredible it is to preach to, to, to 50, 70, 100 people. Like, what an amazing blessing that is to be with them, with God's word, right there. Um, so Christians should be recognizing how much we've taken that for granted. We should be. Uh, I think, again, first is appealing to God to change, repenting of what we've taken for granted, and then repenting for the ways we haven't spiritually led in our homes. 
and the way we haven't valued the importance of bringing people in our home and opening up God's word. Um, to me, those are four key pastoral pieces. But I want to jump back real quick, Adam. I hope I'm not again. Oh, no, I don't ever want no, to. Good. I don't want to monopolize. But as Christians, we should say this is an evil virus. Those who do not uphold a Christian worldview cannot define what is evil. Yeah. By what means do does anyone define what is evil? Globs of protoplasm are not fizzing. So what? Yeah. I can propagate my genetic information into the next group as well as I can. If I don't get it, I've just I'm just more highly evolved, right? The non-Christian worldview, that's where you have to be. You just have to hope and cross your fingers that maybe you're of the correct genetic formula to move on. Um so that you can continue to fizz. So you can't say this is morally evil. In fact, it's just evolution playing out. Well, that's that's the thing is uh, this situation definitely shows how the unbeliever cannot live in their worldview because they're complaining about all these all these deaths. Again, we should be happy that to reify, this is called reification. If you get your logic book out, um, you know, understand this is reification, but this is Nature doing its thing. And a reification is applying something personal to something impersonal. Nature is impersonal. There is no personality behind it, right, in this worldview. There is no personalism at all whatsoever. It's nature doing its thing. And every day I hear people complaining, there's too many people in the world. Well, guess what? All you people that have ever said there's too many people in the world and that we need to get rid of people, here it is. And why are you complaining? I hear it all the time, and it's saddening to me because over here, as long as it's not me that gets offed by nature, then get rid of everybody else. And, and, and that's what I hear, and it's really sad. And I hear it from people who want to play the identity politics game who are conservatives and Christian. I hear that same thing coming out of people's mouths. That should hurt us, but at the same time, whenever we hear people say that, here it is. Here is nature doing its thing, getting rid of people. And so are you going to applaud and be consistent, or are you going to show that you cannot live in your worldview? Because guess what? You don't want to die by COVID-19, but, but hey, everybody else can, right? So this goes to show that people cannot live in their worldview, that they, they, this is the demonstration of the fact that they understand that they are image bearers of God. They know that God exists. They see nature pour forth speech that he exists. They under they act as though this is not right, yet their worldview says this is the way it works. And so this is why we have to utilize this time to preach the gospel. Yeah, in a non-Christian worldview, all of this frustration about not getting a cure quick enough and all this, oh gosh, this is so bad. That that really is demonstrating how a non-Christian cannot live consistent with their worldview. And so that's a, a really, really important thing for us to, in my mind, to to focus on. So let me repeat this because I think it's so important. Be pleading to God, be on your knees in prayer for God to to solve this, to to bring about, to be merciful, right? I think that's an important thing because. Um, 
He is sovereign over this. And in his providence, he did bring it about. I, I, I love what Frame says. He says, recognizing and, and, affirming, and affirming this principle is essential to the element of any Christian response to the problem of evil. For it is essential to realize that even though God does bring evil into the world, he does it for a good reason. Therefore, he does not do evil in bringing evil to pass. Essentially, when all of God's actions are added up, they will unequivocally have a sum total, will all, dem- will all become recognized as being righteous. Again, what is your standard for good? Is your standard for good what the Bible says, or is your standard what lives in your, what you think is your autonomous human mind, which really isn't? Again, I think uh, libertarian free will is unequivocally unbiblical, yeah. and I think that it is likewise non-Christian. Yeah. There's my position. Yeah, not to add to that, though, we can't uh, use the ends justifies the means, because um, that is not our position. That is not the biblical positions because God is justified in the evil that he utilizes. Um, Actually, Jesus had to be put on a cross to justify God for giving sin and for bearing sin in the past. So this is not a, uh, just uh, the ends justifying the, justify the means um, position that we hold to that a lot of people do utilize. And I understand that there's a lot of people um, that are, um, higher pay grade than us, um, that will go ahead and say that, but I'm saying, no, that is not the biblical position that the end justifies. That right. means God is justified. That's right. Because Amen. of our sin and our rebellion to bring evil into the world against us. Use what, and I think this is, you know, Psalms talks about this in a lot of Psalms that we, the, the wicked set up a trap for themselves. They die by their own hand. And so evil befalls them because God lets it go. And he's justified in letting it go. Um, We have to not be embarrassed by the fact in Romans 1, 18 through 32, where it says God hands people over. That's right. And and stuff Uh, like that. So, and I just am reminded again and again of the prayer of the believers for boldness and acts for where they say for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Um, God certainly brought about what was the evil killing and murder of Jesus Christ for an ultimate, amazing, glorious plan, and that was to redeem his people. Um, that is so, so important. Uh, that is the gospel that God entered into his evil creation that hated him to, um, redeem them and to save them from his own wrath. Um, and because God is consistent, that was the plan that he brought about. And so I know that there are people that are scared and that are worried, man, I I don't want to, um, to just flush over that. As a Christian, God has this. God is in control. He really is. But are you at the point where you can say, God, ultimately, whatever happens, I know you're working for your glory. If not, pray that God will change your heart that way. I, I am still working on that in my own life. 
Um, but what do I do? I know that uh, Romans, or excuse me, Proverbs 16.22, things don't happen randomly. Um, Matthew um, chapter 6, verse 30, uh, God knows the hairs on my head. He knows me that well. He cares for me that well. He cares for me so much that before time, he chose me in him before the creation of the world. Not because any good that I had done, but because of his glorious mercy. And so uh, that's why, to me anyways, um, recognizing God's providence and his sovereignty is so important in dealing with a situation like this. How's that? That's wonderful. We're yeah. coming towards the end of our time, yeah, brother. Yeah, we've, we've, we've won an hour, and I know that everybody finally has a lot of time to listen, so we could probably go for five. But we still will not do that to you. We love you guys. <laughs> but Adam, you never know. Maybe we get in the last word. You you wrap it up so much I, better than me. I, I will. I wrap it up by saying this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you do such a good job of, of putting a bow on things. All right. I well, uh, let me uh, stretch out here. I'm feeling a little, you know, wonky. I've been in, I actually, I've gotten social interaction. I'm a barber and I'm not afraid. So I'm not going around <laughs> licking doorknobs um, because I've got to be a good steward of my body. So, you know, it's just, so I, me, me saying that, and I think, I, I think uh, this would be it. Let's think holistically about this. Let's not mm. just draw linear lines. Um, the, the gospel is multifaceted. Um, That's right. Our lives are multifaceted. This issue is multifaceted. So don't just grab one arbitrary argument and use it. Understand how they work with other arguments. This is the whole issue is we we're one string banjos and we go out on the internet and armchair apologize, whatever. Um, let's not do that. Let's, let's, let's think about the full on glory of God and how we can preach that into the situation. Um, like That's I right. said before, um, there's common grace right now, but if this continues on, we are going to have to recognize, hey, you as the government are exceeding um, your powers that were given to you by God, and we have to get together, and we need to think of a plan to where we can still be good stewards and show the world how you can work not in fear, but still be good stewards of your bodies, um, be thoughtful of the people around you. And that we can show them that God has given us an awesome brain and that we don't have to go to two extremes in this. We don't have to go to extreme isolation away from each other. We don't have to just, uh, like, again, believe in miracles so much to lick doorknobs and we're fine. Um, you know, there's reason and everything in, in this and we can show it. But, yeah, we're, we're going to have to draw a line sometime to where we can worship God because we got to realize um, whenever God talked to Pharaoh— through Moses. Mm -hmm. Um, God wasn't, you know, they, they, Oh, Pharaoh's not going to let us go. So, um, let's just do something here. They never did that. That's not what God wanted. God wanted his people to leave that area for a while <laughs> and Pharaoh wouldn't let them do it. And they didn't go, well, we'll just worship him here. Right. So there is something about separating from our homes and coming together in the body that we will miss. We will miss communion, mm -hmm. not just in the elements. We will miss communion because where is Christ? And I know I've been doing some study on Zwingli and all that kind of stuff. And that's the question of communion is where is Christ? He's not mm -hmm. in the bread. He, he's not just around the bread. He's in his people. Amen. People are dwelt by the spirit. 
And if we are not together, um, you know, we can't do that. We can't do church discipline. We can't, um, we can't do life isolated from each other. So, um, with that said, you know, just let's think holistically, um, let's approach everything in grace, but at the same time, recognizing law, you can't have one without the other. The gospel is meaningless if there is no law. And, uh, and, and likewise, you know, so that we are, we're walking and you can't go into two ditches, but we have like co-equal truths we have to deal with. So again, um, be graceful. Don't be shaming. Show the glory <clears throat> and grace of God to your neighbors, not just by doing something for them nice, but showing them the love of God. And do if they don't know that you're doing it because you were loved by God, then you didn't do your job. And so we have to make sure that we are known as people who are followers of Jesus Christ by loving each other. So stop shooting each other, Christians, and stop shooting other people. And let's love one another. Let's show grace in, in, in all this. So, um, guys, I think that's a real. I think that's a good. Hopefully, I tied it up <laughs> in that. Brother, nice I think bow. you did an amazing job. I just but, uh, I'm so grateful for your hard work, and uh, I really appreciate. It. I, I hope that our our tone was that of of conviction and and concern and desire to see people grow, and, and yeah. that's my my dear hope. And uh, I want to be a better pastor. Want to be a better husband for more more so better father more so a better pastor than better uh better defender of the faith which is really just a better a proclaimer of the gospel and i can always grow in that and i'm grateful for this opportunity always adam thank you oh yeah and so hopefully we'll see because i know my hours have gotten cut and if you've got time uh, maybe we can squeeze in some more shows during quarantine time and uh you know make you redeem the time you know if and right. but being good right. stewards with it Dealing with our families, dealing with what we need to deal with, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, pray for opportunities for us, and we um, again pray for opportunities for yourself. Um, be sensitive to it. So, um, with that said, we've hit our time for the evening. If you guys uh, have anything else that you'd like us to hit during this time, please yes. interact with us. Please uh, like and share this uh, video from Facebook. Um, like us on, uh, like the podcast. So we're, you know, we're on, um, if you look at the bottom, um, of the screen, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, uh, Google play, um, subscribe on there, give us uh, feedback and some reviews and stuff to help, um, the, you know, that's just the free ways that get us up in search engines and all that kind of stuff so that our gospel message can be heard. If you, you, and you can be a part of that gospel message being heard by just doing some simple clicking you've got time for it please please we beg you um, we beseech the um we got the youtube channel that you can subscribe to and if you know anybody that loves youtube have them subscribe to that um we're on facebook twitter all that stuff so um if you can help us out during this time again we have i have extra time um you can help us in the mystery to do that um, so with that said, guys, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Day. And Soli. Deo. Glory.